happy Sunday to everybody. So good to be with you. Uh, so good to see you. What a uh, blessing this church is. Um, I was thinking about, as we're getting ready for this day, I was thinking about just the ways that FaithBridge has changed my life. And I wanted to ask the question, how many of you would say, yeah, in some way, some way, somehow, FaithBridge, has, God has used it to help change my life? Isn't that amazing? Almost everybody's hand is in the air. Those of you that don't have your hand in the air will just assume that you're a guest. Maybe you're visiting. I don't know. No, I do want to say if you are a guest, if maybe somebody invited you today and you're sitting with them and you're thinking, what is this place all about? Or maybe you just Googled churches and just stumbled in and found this place. Maybe it's been a while since you've been to a church. Maybe you can't even believe you're here right now. I just want to tell you, you're in a great place and we're really, really glad that you're here. And I hope that you'll make this church your church. I think today's a great day too to check out Faith Bridge because we're really kind of pulling the curtain back to show you, hey, this is what our church is all about. If you want to know, what FaithBridge celebrates, this is it. FaithBridge celebrates life change, right? I mean, we celebrate when God changes someone's life, when somebody makes a decision in their marriage that changes things or makes a decision with the way they're living their life or the way they're handling their money or the way they're parenting or the way they're handling their work or seeing their life. Any kind of life change is what we celebrate, and that's really what we're talking about today. Last week, Pastor Ken talked about the power of having those people, those friends that are gonna hold our mat. And today, uh, there's going to be less feels about what it is that we're, who it is that we're calling on or who is in our life, but today's really about movement. My hope today is that by the end of this, that you would make a decision to do something. Uh, we have this ministry expo that's happening today, and I want to make sure that we reserve time, save some time for you to go check it out. But my hope is not just that you'll check it out, that you'll take a step toward entering into the process of helping with the life change, which is a, an, an incredible invitation that we have. I remember when Pastor Ken, when I first heard him explain the mission of FaithBridge, and I thought, what a fantastic mission. If it's been a minute since you've heard it, I'm gonna put it on the screen. This is the mission of FaithBridge. We exist to make more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ. Another way to say it is, I believe Jesus has made my life better and he's made me better at life. And that's really what we want. We wanna see more people take steps to helping out to make more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ, but it doesn't end there. No, there's, a, there's a, part of it, a part of the mission in which we're all participating in it because we exist to make more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ who then make more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ. It's the way it works, is that God invites us in to the process of life change. Nobody said amen, nobody's jaws on the floor, <laughs> nobody's mind was blown. Think about that a second. The almighty God is inviting you and me to participate in the process of changing people's lives. Is that not remarkable? See, life change is not easy, right? You all know this. Uh, have you ever tried to change somebody? Some of you are like, uh, that's why we're here, actually. <laughs> well, that's why he's here, <laughs> right? I mean, have you ever tried to change those of you who have kids? you ever tried to change your kids? I mean, good luck with that, right? You can't make somebody change. I remember growing up, my, my dad, um, he, he did it because his dad did it, but my dad made us as kids, me and my older sister, my younger sister, every single school night, 
every single school night, we were required to sit at our desk in our room for an hour. He called it your hour. Did you do your hour? But dad, I don't have homework. Do your hour. But dad, I don't have a test tomorrow. You have to do an hour. Every night we were required to sit at our desk and do an hour of some kind of studying, some kind of schoolwork. Now that doesn't mean we did anything, right? <laughs> but we were required to sit there. I had plenty of nights where I was like, this is so dumb. I can't believe we have to do this. And it's making us do this. And so I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna sit here, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse study, right? You can't. And so my sister and I, this is bizarre, uh, we, we made a hole in the wall that we could pass notes back and forth while we were doing our hour, right? I mean, I think about that when I think about our own kids. We, we do our best to try to steward technology. Those of you that have kids, you know how hard this is. I mean, it is, it, it's, it, it's everywhere. There's always a screen in the room at some point, right? Whether it's a phone or a tablet or a uh, computer, whatever it may be, so, so much of their assignment is on the computer. And so our kid, and plus on top of that, you know, the HVAC and, and the, 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 the music and opening the garage, it's all done through technology. So it's almost, it feels really difficult to try to say, hey, put all the screens away, put all the screens down. And so now what they just naturally do is our kids, are, it just feels like they are always connected to their friends, including while they're doing their homework. There's a screen up. I see some of you nodding along because it's your home as well. There's a screen up while they're doing their work and there's like, it's like the Brady Bunch. There's like six other kids on the screen at all times. And of course I'll pop in and be like, hey, what's going on here? You know, just dad, me, you, let me know when you're coming in. I didn't know you know, I need to like turn off my video and you're, this is so embarrassing that you're even in here. I'm like, why is it embarrassing that you have a father, right? That shouldn't be embarrassing. You should be rejoicing in that. But she's like, it is the homework. We're studying together. We're doing this together. I'm like, that is not what it sounds like, but okay. But I've just learned, you cannot make them do anything. We can't change somebody. Have you ever tried to change your spouse? <laughs> Some of you are like, I am working on that right now. Some of you married somebody who's really messy, you know, and you're trying to get them to hang up their towel or trying to put the toilet seat down or trying to, you know, shower, whatever it may be. Uh, my wife rolled into this year and she's just determined. She's like, we are going to eat better. I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know, so she cleaned out all the stuff that we shouldn't be eating. And I, I, I thought about this yesterday because I knew we were gonna be talking about this today. And I found myself yesterday in Costco hiding from my wife. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? I am a 43 year old grown man who is hiding from the person I love most in life because of the samples. <laughs> they were sampling the chocolate cream pie yesterday. It was 10.30 a.m. I didn't care. I wanted to try it. And I knew the only way that I could do it without getting a judgmental look was to hide. And so I made up some story about how to go over and figure something out and find something else. Meanwhile, I'm popping back by by the cream pie sample. Just to, it was amazing too, by the way. If you haven't had it, incredible. Just don't tell my wife about it. Have you ever tried to make yourself change, right? 
Even that, we can't change a child. You can't change your spouse. It's hard to change ourselves. Some of you rolled into this year, you had a resolution. You're like, I am gonna get in the gym. And you got your fit. I mean, it is, you are like Lululemon from head to toe. You look so good. You got the gym membership. You're like ready to roll. You got the account set up on you know, Faster Way or Beachbody or whatever it is that you're doing. And you haven't done it yet, right? It's hard. I'm telling you, change is hard. In fact, part of why Faith, Faith Bridge exists is to do something that feels impossible, and that's to make change. We're here to do something that is impossible, to make change, life change. And this is what's remarkable about today is as we're going to find out today, God is inviting us in to the process of life change. He is inviting us in to participate with him to do the impossible. He's inviting us in to, to be a part of the way he's changing people's lives. And he says, hey, does that interest you? Does it interest you to help somebody change well, it feels impossible. I, I know it is for you. It's not for me, he says. He says, and I want to invite you in to do it. We're, we're, we're going um, to talk about this miracle that Jesus did. Um, la- last week, we talked about a miracle that Jesus did. These are two of, when I was a kid, these are two of my favorite miracles of Jesus' life. One was the, the, the four men tearing a hole through the roof to drop their friend down to get healed. Today, we're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. You know that story, right? The feeding of the 5,000. Now, I, I, I was a little reluctant because I was like, oh, but these are adults, you know? This isn't a children's story. This, these, are, these are real adults that have, you know, brains and you're smart and, and, and you, you're able to think through things. And the idea of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it, it seems like a fairy tale in a way, right? So let me just tell you up front, here, here's why I believe that the feeding of the 5,000 actually happened. For, for one, all four gospel accounts write about it. And a couple of them were actually eyewitnesses, meaning they were there. They were not just writing about what they heard, they were writing about what they had seen. But let me also tell you this, they were writing to people who were alive when it happened. So they weren't like, hey, way back in the day before you were ever born, let me tell you about something that happened. They're like, no, no, no. Like a couple months ago, a couple years ago, this happened. You you remember, Jim, you were there. Sandy, you were there. Barbara, you were there, right? And they're like, yeah, I know. It was crazy. It was wild. It beyond anything I'd ever seen. I'm telling you, whether you choose to believe it or not, I believe it. And on top of that, I believe it because the essence of what we believe as Christians is that the almighty God became a human and then predicted his own death and predicted his own resurrection and pulled it off. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, well, if he could do that, then the feeding of the 5,000 is, it's just an appetizer. It's an hors d'oeuvre. It's a, ba- it's a bacon-wrapped date compared to the resurrection of Jesus. So let's, let's get into it. This is, um, we're gonna read in Matthew 14. Uh, if you got a Bible, oh my goodness, I forgot. Y'all are standing there forever. If you don't have a Bible, 
Just throw your hand up in the air. We'd love to give you one. If you need one, you can borrow one. If you want to take it home and keep it, it is our gift to you. Just throw your hand up in the air. Matthew 14, we're going to start at verse 15. As evening approached, they had been there all day. Jesus was teaching all day, big crowd. As evening approached, the disciples, they came to him and they said, Jesus, this is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. They're going, Jesus, people are getting hungry, and when people get hungry, they get angry, right? So we got some hangry people out there that they're not feeling, I mean, you're teaching, brilliant. It's been amazing. We want to compliment you, some of your best work. However, it is getting late. It's getting dark. People are getting hungry. Let's think through this. Let's go ahead and shut it down now. They'll have time to go to the villages, get something to eat. This is not like the retirement community, the villages. This is like actual villages. They'll be able to get something to eat. And then we'll kick it back off in the morning. It'll be great. You good? Everybody good with that? And Jesus goes, um, they don't need to go away. I, I got an idea. Why don't you give them something to eat? <laughs> They're going. That would be like somebody right now telling you, all these people are hungry. Get them something to eat. And you're like, um, it's Sunday and Chick-fil-A is closed. What? <laughs> I can't do that. Right? See, th this is really important because what we're going to see here is we're going to see Jesus leading people into an awareness of their limitations. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think there's something healthy, right? It, there's something about age. Have you noticed that? That the older you get, the more aware you are of your limitations. I've tried to figure that out because I used to, when I was in my teens, my 20s, I was, I was a fairly confident kid. But the older I've gotten, I've started to realize, in some ways I feel like I'm losing confidence and in some ways I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm sobering up. You know what I mean? I'm sobering up to the reality that I can't do everything. That I'm not gonna become president. That I'm not gonna make the NBA. All the things that I thought that I was gonna do, I'm realizing, no, no, I, I, I never really had what it took to do that. I, I wasn't given that. And it's not a bad thing. I've started realizing, no, there's something actually good about becoming aware of your limitations. I watched it with our 12-year-old the other day, which or earlier this fall, which is a little early for that, but we're sitting at a college football game, and he plays Little League football, and he has for four or five years, and he does pretty well. He's not setting the world on fire, but he's usually one of the better players on the team, and if you would ask him, what do you want to do with your life, he would say, I want to go to college and play football, and we're sitting there at this game. It's in the second half. It was kind of a blowout, and so we weren't really, at this point, we hadn't said anything in a few minutes, and he was, I can tell he was just really looking out at the crowd very intently. And he looks over at me and he goes, everybody out there is a really good athlete. I was like, yeah, that is true. We didn't say anything else. A few minutes later, he goes, what do you got to do to become a long snapper? <laughs> I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what you need to be thinking about. 
Now you're on the right track. You're realizing you're never gonna be able to throw it like C.J. Stroud, right? You're never gonna be able to run as fast, jump as high as Nico Collins. It's okay though. Figure out how to do the long snapper thing. You can make a good life out of that. That's actually probably a pretty good track for you. He was becoming aware of his limitations. There's something about that that's really good. Why? When we become aware of our limitations, what does that do? It, it, it puts us in a posture where we become dependent on God, right? It doesn't mean we lower our aspirations. It doesn't mean we lower our hopes. It just means we come to this realization that if it's gonna happen, it's not gonna be because of me. It's gotta happen because of you. As a parent, you've realized this. You're like, I, I, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to raise these kids in, in it to have a healthy marriage you've realized I don't have what it takes to have a healthy marriage. I'm, I'm a broken mess. I've got limitations as a leader, as a boss. In whatever arena, whatever area of life, being aware of your limitations is not an unhealthy thing. Now, there's actually something healthy about it because it leads us to be dependent on God. And that's what we're gonna see. Flip, flip, flip over if you would, if, if you're tracking along. Flip over to John John chapter six, because we're gonna look at, I wanna I want show you just another little piece of this interaction that Matthew doesn't cover, that John actually covers. John introduces us to a couple of the disciples who come on the scene at this point and ask some questions, make some points, make some comments, some observations. Philip is one of them. We're gonna see something that Andrew says in just a second, but look at what Philip says. Philip jumps in and he goes, you want us to figure this out? You want us to get everybody food? Jesus, look around. There's not 10 people here. There's a lot of people here. And Philip, the, the, the shrewd one, the thoughtful one, the one that you need on the road trip, right? The one that you need as a part of the team. The one that's going, a uh, couple of observations here. Number one, there's a lot of people here. Number two, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have a bite. You want us to do this? He's not getting it, right? He's going, this is ridiculous. We don't have what it takes to do what you're asking us to do. Andrew, he jumps in, and this is kind of hilarious to me that Andrew makes this because I think when I, when I first would have thought about the, the, his idea, I would have thought, oh, that, what, a, what a sweet-hearted idea. But now that I read it, I'm like, was he being sarcastic? Like, was he like making fun of Jesus, you know? Like low key, like trying to like poke at him? Because look at what he does. Andrew, one of Jesus's disciples, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, uh, I got an idea. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. What are you gonna do with that, Jesus, right? He's like, oh, we hit the jackpot. Here's somebody with some bread and some fish. So what? I mean, look around. Look at all the people. Also, when I was growing up and I would have heard this story, I always thought that the little boy was like a willing participant, you know? <laughs> that he was like, oh, this was my moment. This was my line. Um, my mom packed me a Lunchable. You can have that, right? <laughs> Which, how generous of the kid. But now when you read it this way, you're like, 
oh, he got voluntold, right? He didn't, he didn't volunteer. It's like Andrew's got him by the back being like, get up there, kid. You know, he's like, hey, Jesus, this kid's got something. Show him what you got. Almost as if to poke fun of the whole situation. And the kid's probably like, um, I'm not actually volunteering it. This is specifically me. Plus, it's gluten-free bread and I've got an allergy. And so it's really, no, I'm sorry. We've got gluten allergies in our family as well, so I get it. Um, but it, honestly, he's probably like, I, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily down for this, you know. But Jesus says, back, back to Matthew, look at what he says. He says, bring them here to me. In other words, would you be willing to take whatever little you have and make it available to him? This, this is powerful. Would you be willing to take whatever you have, big or small, a lot, not a lot, would you be willing to make it available to him? This is really the question that's on the table for all of us today. Are, are you willing to do that? If he, if he were to say, well, tell me what it is that you have, you would go, well, I don't have much. I've got a little time. I don't have a lot of time. I'm pretty busy. But, I, but, but the time that I do have, I'll make it available. I, I, I don't have a lot. I've got a car. It's not a nice car. It's used. You know, not even gently used. It's like pretty well used. But I'm making it available. I, I, I've got some intellect. I mean, I've got the ability to think through things. I've got some life experience. I, I've got a little bit of wisdom. I, I've, I've got a, a willingness to... And, and I'm, I'm here to make it available to you. Would you take whatever it is you have and say, I am making it available to you? And Jesus says, bring it here to me. And then look at what he does with it. You, you, you know this part. This is, it's genuinely hard to believe, but it is so remarkable. Jesus directed the people sit down on the grass. He takes the five loaves and the two fish. He looks up to heaven and he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then, and then look at this. This is what's so remarkable. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Well, why is that so remarkable? He let them in on it. He let them get to be the hero. He let them participate in the miracle. Though they had nothing to do with it. This wasn't their bread that they had baked. This wasn't their bread that they had multiplied. This wasn't their fish that they had grilled. But he let them participate in the process of changing people's lives. I'm telling you, the fact that God does this, I hope we never get over it. God's the one that changes the lives. God's the one who has changed your life. But there's a person that he let participate in it. And the same invitation is here for you and for me. He's got lives that he wants to change. And he says, I'm gonna do it no matter what, but I just wanna know, you wanna get in on it? Because I'll let you if you would like to. 
Jesus gave the food to the disciples and the disciples gave the food to the people. And they all ate and they were all satisfied and the disciples looked around and go, did we bring any Tupperware, right? Because there is a lot left over. They packed 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and the children as well. So theologians, researchers, historians will tell us there were probably 10,000 people there that day. And Jesus said, if I can do that then, then I can do that now. And if I can do it with real food, I can do it with spiritual food. And if I can change people's lives then, I can change people's lives now. And I'm gonna do it no matter what. But he's inviting us to be a part of it. He's saying, would you like to join me in it? Would you like to be a part of it? I I wanna give you just a couple of simple little observations. The first one is incredibly cheesy. It's cliche. You've probably heard plenty of sermons with this line. It's been in, you know, it's probably been, it's probably on Lifetime in a Hallmark movie right now. That's how cheesy it is. Have you heard this, that God is less concerned with your ability than your availability? God is less concerned with your ability, but what he really cares about is your availability. It is overused, it is cliche, it is cheesy, but it's true. God's not concerned with what you can and can't do. God is not concerned with whether or not you have enough talent to make it happen. God is not concerned whether or not you have what it takes to be good enough as a dad or to be good enough as a mom or to be good enough as a leader of a grow group or to be good enough as a mentor to teenagers. He's not worried about whether or not you have the skills to help change a life. You know why he's not worried about it? Because he knows that you don't. And that's not a slight. That's true for all of us. He knows if you feel like, if you're like, God, but I don't have what it takes. I believe his response would be, you're right. You don't. You're aware of that. You know, as a a dad, you know, you don't have what it takes to be a great dad. And maybe you've been hiding it and trying to put it together and get on the right outfit and try to do the right thing, but you know it. You know it as a parent, you know it as a friend, you know it as a leader, as a boss. You don't have what it takes. And he's going, that's okay. I know you don't. Your limitation is an opportunity for me. And if your limitation leads you to become more dependent on him, it's great. Because he's not concerned about your ability. He's concerned about, are you willing? Are you open? Are you bringing what you do have? And then secondly, you'll never know what God can do with what you have until you bring it to him. There was probably another kid that day. Maybe had a bigger lunch. Maybe his mom shops at Costco. And so he's like, you wouldn't believe how much I had. 
What'd you do with it? I just sat there and I ate it. Ah, you missed out. Imagine if you could have been the one that got to experience him using the little bit that you have to do something remarkable with it. Some of you, you've experienced that. You've been a mentor to somebody and you heard the way they gloated about you. You're like, that's not, sounds like you're talking about somebody different. You, you, you participated in helping somebody with something and the way they thanked you, it, it, it didn't add up. Because it's like, I did this little thing, but then God used it to change all of this in your life. You've experienced it on different levels. And you just know this is the way God operates, that you will never know what he's able to do with what you have until you bring it to him. He's not going to steal it from you. You know this. God's not gonna force you to do it. God's not gonna do what Andrew did. He's not gonna be like, get up there. This kid's got something. He's not gonna do that to you. He's more patient. He's more gracious. He's not gonna force you. He's not gonna make you. He's not gonna demand that you do it. But there is something rewarding when we are obedient to him and giving it all to him and saying it's yours. The question I would have is, do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to give him what you have? Is he trustworthy enough? Is God trustworthy with all that you do have? I, I believe he is. And so I believe at the end of our lives, we're gonna look back and we're going to either be glad that we did or we're going to wish that we had. Some of you look at your resolutions from 23, a few of you, like a very small percentage, and you actually did them. You changed something. And you look back now, I wouldn't imagine there's regret. You probably look back and go, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I made that change. The same thing is true about serving. We're either going to wish we had or we're gonna be glad that we did. And so I don't know how you're giving your life away. I don't know what you're giving your life away to. You are losing your life, all of us are at some level. And so why not decide to give it away? That's what our ministry expo is really all about. It's just opportunities for you to give your life away. In your seat when you walked in, you saw this big handout. And let me just real simply walk you through it. On this side that says get connected, this is if, if you're new to FaithBridge and you're still trying to figure this place out, that's for you. These are just some great first steps. In the middle there, these grow groups. This is what Pastor Ken talked about last week. If you wanna find your people, if you wanna get in community, get in relationships with people for the sake of growth, we would certainly recommend these grow groups. But if you wanna serve, if you wanna give your life away, if you feel like, you know what, I wanna experience what it's like to see a child's life changed. I wanna experience what it's like to see a, to see a teenager make different decisions than he or she otherwise would have made. I wanna experience that in a new way. This is for you. And so what the Ministry Expo is, is all, it's just a way for you to experience it and have conversations to talk about it tangibly because in some cases there's weekly serving opportunities, bi-weekly opportunities, monthly opportunities, but they'll tell you all about those if you would just take a few minutes to walk over there. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us. And then after I pray for us, uh, I'm gonna say amen as we typically do. And if you need prayer today, our prayer partners are gonna be up here, but 
We want you to take some time to, well, first go get your kids and then go over to the Ministry Expo and experience that together. If you're watching online today, there's a QR code. You can go to faithbridge.org slash expo, faithbridge.org slash expo, and you can experience everything online as well. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, I just can't thank you enough that the, the way you've changed my life through serving. I pray that w- this wouldn't be something from our past, that it would be something that we're always involved in. And God, I pray that every one of us, I pray that in 2024, that every single one of us would experience the magic, the mystery, the miracle of giving you the little we do have and seeing you do so much more with it. I can't thank you enough for this church, for the way this church has changed lives. And we just pray that you would continue to do that. We trust that you will. And I pray that countless people would experience the joy of getting to be a part of it with you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.